I don't care who's first or who last, but I know that y'all just better rock this at the drop of a dime, baby. This is a Joe Rock Playing podcast network. I'm Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook, and you can follow me on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. I'm joined with my fellow analysts. I'm sorry, Chris James, Gene Clemens, Teron Davenport, and Brandon Howard. You can follow Chris on Twitter at CJ Florida Nine, Gene at Gene Clemens, Teron at T Davenport underscore NFL, and Brandon at B Howard underscore eighty one. Make sure to subscribe to the Football Game Plan podcast on iTunes. Leave us a five star rating. And as we can find all of our many different shows, you can also find them archived on our website at footballgameplan.com slash podcast. And finally, don't forget to check out and subscribe to the Football Game Plan Network on YouTube, located at youtube.com slash footballgameplan. If you're not familiar to what a rap cypher is, it's a crowd that forms in freestyle raps as they pass the mic around. Well, it's the same thing here, except there won't be any rapping going on. We'll just pass the mic and keep the football takes flowing. And we're going to kick off our NFL team previews in the Cypher. And in this episode, we'll take a look at the Miami Dolphins and some of the biggest questions heading into the 2017 season. Brandon, why don't you kick this one off? All right. So, uh, you know, my question here is, um, you know, the Dolphins, they drafted Kenyon Drake uh, in the third round of the 2016 NFL draft. Um, you know, I get to see him in practices a lot. And you can tell he's a dynamic player. But he's hardly getting an opportunity uh, to, to touch the field because the emergence of, um, you know, Jay Ajayi right now. So um, what would, you know, you perceive his role to be coming into year two of his NFL career? This is a guy that they're just going to have to get the ball in his hands in whatever manner that they can. You know, having him in a return game, utilizing him in the backfield more often. I think the Dolphins had a personality issue as to what they wanted to do with Drake. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was clear that they wanted Ajayi to be the guy, the bell cow. But then it seemed like they wanted to give carries instead of letting Drake be the number two. They wanted to give more carries to, to Damian Williams. Um, right. So they have to get the ball in this guy's hands. We see how dynamic he can be and has been when he was with Alabama and even so far with the Dolphins. Yeah, I think with his explosiveness, you have to find ways to get him the football. When you have the ability to, to return kicks for touchdowns, and outrun people, outrun angles. I need to work you in my office. I need to find a way to get you the football more. And I think when you have a guy like Jay Ajayi that has the, let's say, tackle to tackle uh, running skill with the ability to rip off a, a long run or two, I think when you combine that with a Kenyon Drake, especially when you insert him into the ball game when teams are tired and you bring in fresh legs, not only do you bring in fresh legs, you bring in more explosive legs. I think that's where you can get more dynamic. And I'm always a big fan of using two backs in a backfield at the same time. Absolutely. And we have a situation where you have a mobile quarterback like Ryan Tannehill, and now you have a, a guy with NJ Ajayi and another explosive talent in Drake that can run and also catch. You have to find ways to keep him on the field more often than not. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think it's actually funny that there's this issue because when you look at, when you look at the situation, the blueprint's been there for years. Call it thunder and lightning, call it smash and dash, call it whatever you want to call it. 
you've had you had backfields that have done this again look no further than the gold standard in the nfl and in your own com i mean in your own division mm-hmm. the the new england patriots they don't hesitate to shift and rotate and get guys in there in the backfield and if one guy's rolling one game you know what he might run for 300 that game and then he may not get a, a, a touch the next game but when you when you look at what the the dolphins are doing it seems as if they want to keep everything formulaic. They want everything to always follow this exact same formula, but that right. formula doesn't work against every single team. And, and I think you have to be willing to mix it up. You have to be willing to um, do other things to to keep a defense off balance. And I love what E said about you know bringing in the the, the explosion and the fresh legs and the fast legs. Um, as a as that change up when when defenses are tired, as opposed to the thought process that you you pound them at the end of the game. Right. Really, you want to give them people that they can't catch because they're already too tired. Yeah, and just to go right along with that, I mean, I would like to see him get the ball on more stretch plays, allow him to get outside and use that speed that you mentioned that he uses to run away from. Uh, defenders, you know, in, in kickoff uh, situations. So I would also like to see them screen him a little more, get him the ball, you know, on those easy type of touches, a screen pass and let him get in space and, and do what he does. So right. they definitely need to use him to complement JHI uh, a bit more. And, and hopefully they do that to take advantage of his explosiveness. Right. I mean, you ask any explosive running back what type of plays they like, and the Dolphins are committed to being an outside zone team. Uh, but you ask any explosive running back what type of play they like. They like inside zone. I, I know I used to love inside zone. Um, that's where a lot of the big plays come from, you know. So um, I, I don't know why that that's something that they won't do with him. Uh, I, I hope that that changes this year because he's just too explosive to just keep on your sideline like that. I know they love Damian Williams. Uh, and he's a he's an outstanding player and he's a hard nosed football player. Uh, he's got a lot of heart. Um, he's got all the Dolphins War Daddy shirts, you know, which is what they give out to the players that make the most, you know, heart plays. But, you know, uh, we'll we'll see what happens this year and if he could make that next step and get a little bit more involved in the offense. And that brings me into my question. And I'm actually going to move to the exterior of the offense. Do the Dolphins have the most underrated wide receiver core in the NFL? Man, listen, I, I couldn't wait to answer this question because – I'm so sick of hearing so-and-so don't have weapons. When you look at this Dolphins receiving core, Devontae Parker, and just think about these guys as college players, right? Devontae Parker, Jarvis Landry, Deontay Carew, Jakeem Grant, Isaiah Ford, uh, Stringfellow from Ole Miss. Those are dynamic players. You know, they're outstanding receivers. And Kenny Sills is a guy that, you know, I wasn't as high on at Oklahoma, but he serves a purpose. I think he's a one-trick pony. But you have to respect what he could bring to the table as a deep threat, quote-unquote. Rashawn Scott was consistent as hell at Miami. So, I, again, I don't understand why people knock this receiving core. They can go legit four wides and still be effective. All of these guys can win one-on-one matches. I think this is probably one of the best receiving cores, and that's just from a pure receiver standpoint in the AFC East. I, I agree. I think the problem is, is that it's under – it's underappreciated yes. by underappreciated by the the pundits that want you to believe that Ryan Tannehill is somehow a top five quarterback being held back by his weapons. Um, but we all know. I mean, if you if you if you study the game, if you pay attention to the game, 
this wide receiver core can hold their own with any wide receiver core in the league. And the and the Dolphins will find out very soon when they try to re-sign Jarvis Landry and he commands that nice $100 million salary. They're going to find out exactly how good this wide receiver and core is because if, if they don't want to pay him, trust me, somebody will. Um, and, and so for me, I think it just really comes down to fans or, or, or Tannehill apologists that don't just they don't want to just admit the, the the fact that their shortcomings are happening at the place where you where you like to have your leader be um, instead of in the receiving core. Very true. You know, it, it's it's so interesting. I'm glad you mentioned that. It's so interesting the way a lot of these guys in the media allow their their bias to to interfere with how they analyze or how they look at look at players. You know. Uh, like you mentioned, Tannehill is a guy that everybody likes. You know, he, he's the, the prototypical quarterback. He has a, a beautiful wife and, you, you know, he's a likable guy. So naturally, they're going to want to downplay the guys that he's throwing to. But I think the whole underrated part of it starts with Jarvis Landry, who in my book is, is one of the top guys as far as, you know, playing the slot. I, I don't see many guys that, that play the position better than him. I don't see many of them that, that catch the ball as consistently as he does. So I think it starts there. And then you look, Isaiah Ford is a, a very, very underrated move that they were able to, to make to bring him in. And, and this is a guy with all the, the potential to be an outstanding player on the outside. So, I mean, those two guys, and obviously, you know, you have to look at some of the other ones, Leontay Carew for sure. So, Devontae Parker, all the weapons are there. You got a guy who can stretch the field and Kenny Stills also. So, it's another case of having a little bit of, of everything that a quarterback could want in his receiver. I agree. I agree. I mean, I just think that from top to bottom, this wide receiver corpse is uh, definitely one of the best in the NFL. All right. They've just got so much, much depth. Um, and, and, you know, You've, and it all works so beautifully together. Um, you know, Jarvis Landry, he gives you that short to inter intermediate stuff, you know. And if he wins early on his release, he can beat you deep. Um, you know, and you've got Kenny Stills, uh, who, who, you know, obviously, like, you know, Emery said, he's kind of the one-trick pony, but you have to respect that. Um, and, you know, and that's a guy you've got to either give cushion, and if you can't run with him down the field, you know, you're in trouble. So, um, and, and then Devontae Parker, who can beat you deep and also uh, intermediate. So... You know, it all works well together, and they're definitely a big-time wide receiver corps. This is not a, a wide receiver corps uh, that's holding back their quarterback. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is definitely not devoid of weapons. Absolutely, and that's the whole thing. It seems more than Ryan Tannehill, you know, not having weapons, as some may say, who don't pay attention to anything in life, right. uh, that it's just an underutilized receiving corps. Right. Uh, <laughs> They say, why doesn't Jarvis Landry get in the end zone more? Well, in all honesty, how many plays do they call for the receivers when they get inside the 10-yard line? Zero. They never try to throw the ball inside the 10-yard line. It's very formulaic. It's very uh, – they're going to give it to J.H.I. off the right side. It's just what's going to happen. Right. So it's the scheme as well as mediocre quarterback play. No offense. <laughs> I just find that funny, man. Like, people act, people don't understand what the what – the, definition of deep threat mean deep threat doesn't mean you're fast right. John Landry is the best deep threat on the Dolphins roster why because he has the threat to catch the football and that's what's most important I'm afraid of you if you can go up there and make any grab I'm not afraid of you if you're fast and drop the ball that you don't scare me at all you know because once the ball is in the air I'm just chasing the ball 
But if you can go up there and grab it and catch it with one hand and do whatever, then that makes you a deep threat. That threatens me more than somebody that's like Ted again that's going to speed down the field and, and drop the ball. So I just want to know defensively, have the Dolphins gotten better? Because I think that was a big issue last year, especially in the Pittsburgh game in the playoffs outside of Matt Moore getting the life knocked out of him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think they knocked the numbers off the back of his jersey. So, yeah, we had to, we had to wish him back with Savage. the Dragon Balls, man. <laughs> he died on that play, man. But overall, in that game, the Dolphins had problems stopping uh, the Pittsburgh offense. So defensively, have they gotten better over the offseason? Man. man, that that's a <laughs> – Man, not the life out of him. I'm, I'm, I'm killing. Him. They must have summoned Rod in order to get him back after that. I mean, it was that was terrible. Um, I think that the Dolphins will be better because of continuity, because of familiarity with scheme. Have mm-hmm. they gotten better? In my opinion, I don't think that they've. I don't believe that they've really upgraded anything. I don't feel like, oh my gosh, like I'm all of a sudden afraid of the of the Dolphins defense, I think that they'll be, you know, essentially what they was, what they were last year. And the question is going to be is, can the offense um, make up for what the defense might lack? I, and that's just my opinion. I don't, I don't believe that anything that they brought in is something I'm going to go, Oh, now they're, now they're here. They're, now they've arrived. Yeah, I agree with you. Obviously, bringing in Cordre Tankersley is a move that I like. He's a guy that, that I liked at Clemson over the last couple of years. But they really didn't bring in that one guy to make you, you know, really feel like he's going to single-handedly uh, help that defense so much. So uh, I'm going to agree with Eugene. You know, I think just being in that new scheme another year is going to help them. And uh, hopefully, you know, they'll, they'll have Wake for the, for the full year and everything will be fine with him also. Yeah, I, I just I think it's going to take a little bit of time for them to uh, see where all these new pieces fit uh, with Charles Harris coming in. Uh, that's going to definitely help the rotation, um, you know, a little bit. You know, with uh, you got Andre Branch uh, back there or uh, on the defensive line there and you got Cameron Wake. And then now you add in the rookie who's been impressive. Um, you know, he's shown that he's got good hands. You know, he can he works his hands extremely well coming off the edge. Uh, will he be the same when the pads come on? That's a totally different story. We'll have to see. Um, but but he looked really good, um, you know, beating Laramie Tunsil a few times uh, during the during workouts. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. And then also we have to see where the pieces fit at the linebacker position. Um, you know, that was an issue, you know, with some of the linebackers getting off of blocks when plays kind of got up to the next level and, you know, offensive linemen started to walk their way up to that second level. Uh, linebackers had difficulty getting off a block. So what will Raekwon McMillan be? You know, he's definitely, in my opinion, is going to be the starting middle linebacker when it's all said and done. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll see how all that all that works out in the end. And we all noticed that there was an issue on defense. The Dolphins noticed it. The first right. round, they got a defensive player. Second round, third round, fifth round, sixth round. So they brought in pieces and young guys to learn from some of the older guys. And I do like the Raekwon McMillan pickup. I think it's going to definitely help out the linebacker level because they had some deficiencies, let's just leave it like that, uh, late in the season. And then the Tankersley pickup, they needed a serious upgrade at corner. Uh, it, it seems as if Maxwell just, let's not get into it, but uh, the Tankersley pickup is going to be helpful. <laughs> and then they got a lot of depth on that defensive line behind some of the stars they have in Sue. They got Benson Taylor in there. Uh, and Gaucho out of uh, LSU. 
Right. So they should improve. It, it, it will take a little bit of time. Yeah, I think they improved the depth. And I'm a big fan of Vincent Taylor out of Oklahoma. I think he was playing out of position at Oklahoma State. I think he's going to be put in a situation where he can just rush upfield and utilize his strength. So I think he's going to be a surprise yes. player. Um, plus, he's from New Orleans, so I always got to rep the New Orleans guy. But Vincent Taylor is a guy that I thought was was solid at Oklahoma State, and the stats wouldn't show it because of how they asked him to play. But I think he's going to be one of those surprise rookies to, to stand out for this Dolphins defense. And that's, that's interesting because now that we're talking about improving, I I have a question. I've just been thinking about the entire offseason. Is where does where does Ryan Tannehill have to go? Is there any room left for improvement, or is he maxed out? Well, you know, I, I'll say this. One of the major areas that he has to improve on is his his touch. Yeah, he has to stop being such a scary quarterback, you know. And unfortunately, being scary is not something that, that you know, is really easy to overcome. So, yeah, I mean, that's in you. Yeah, so it's just – I think that's the area – the biggest area for him to improve. And, you know, obviously you'll have guys on Twitter who will take one of his whatever amount of passes and say, hey, he threw a ball with this guy barreling down on him. Look, man, it's going to happen every once in a while. But I, I just – I think he's a scary quarterback. That's really my problem. And I, I, that being said, I don't think that he's going to get any better. Yeah. I mean, what year are we in now with Ryan Tannehill? What, three, four. I, I I don't know. Well, year too many, in in yeah. my opinion. Uh, I don't. Know. Year three. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, it's it, it's longer than that, you know. So I mean, it, it's it gets to a point where you know you are who you are, and um, you know it, it, there's only so much coaching. Um, you know they call Adam Gates the quarterback whisperer, and he has helped him to some degree with his pocket presence. Um, you know, with some of the things he has him working on, and I, I see him. Very, very hands-on with Ryan Tannehill. Um, but there's only so much better that, that you can get with those sorts of things. Um, it becomes a heart issue. And uh, it's either you got it or you don't. And he is who he is at this point. They're only going to ask him to make a certain number of plays a game. And he's a guy that you can win with, but he's not going to win you games. And that's the bottom line. Yeah, and it's a consistency thing, even just mechanically. Uh, as things break down late in the game, he breaks down. Uh, he still has issues with the deep ball, especially on outbreaking corners, things like that. Continues to throw the ball into places that aren't playable, like to the sideline. Right. Uh, so he should, does he have room for improvement? Physically, sure. But it doesn't seem like there's any improvement that's happened. The one thing that he seems to have improved is on some of his decision-making has gotten better. Right. I'll give him credit for that. But as far as just consistency and making plays, no, it's 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 a no go for me. I find it so interesting that this dude played receiver two years at Texas A and M, played quarterback mediocrely, if that's even a word, for two <laughs> years at Texas A and M. He went eighth overall, but they're trying to tell us that Lamar Jackson got to move to corner safety or some dumb issue like that, right? Slot corner, slot corner. You know what I'm saying? But slot corner. They're willing to and they're willing to work with Tannehill for. Six years to where he can become average, but here's a here's a hardcore facts. Teron touched on it. You can't fix scary. I can't make you tough. I can't make you uh, have that natural it factor in the pocket. That's something that you just are born with. You can't fake live action. You can't create tough you know situation where it tests your toughness. That's where he fails. And I think 
people will point to, well, look, he played his best ball last year. He's our leader. He's a he's a superhero. All that stuff like that. But let's look at what happened when they tried to make the offense about Ryan Tannehill. They didn't get over eight wins when they took the ball out of his hands, a la Tony Romo in 2014. What happened? They made the playoffs or they had their best record. So that's the Dolphins' recipe for success. Yes, Tannehill can play well enough to where you can get to eight wins. But if you try to make it San Marino, guess what's going to happen? You're going to find yourself with that record with all those pass attempts and all those interceptions, all those things that he's taking. Think about the, the amount of times they try to draft offensive linemen and, and do stuff around him to make him feel comfortable. They've drafted numerous offensive linemen. I think you want to have like three or four first-round picks on the offensive line. So, you know, they've drafted all those receivers. He had Reggie Bush at one time. He had Brandon. They had all kind of stuff. And at the end of the day, you got to look at the common denominator. It's him. And until he, you know, he can't do anything else. I think he is what he is. The Dolphins have to figure out a way to continue to run the ball, limit his attempts to, to between 17 to 19 a game. I think that's a winning formula for him moving forward. Yeah. When you have your college coach come in to the NFL and he's your offensive coordinator and you can't come in and just have success right away. I mean, that should have been the first red flag there. I think it's interesting that that uh, Brandon brings up um, Adam Gaze and being the quarterback whisperer, but I think he I think he did. He whispered in he whispered in Tannehill's ear and said, "We're going to run the ball a lot more this year." <laughs> I, I mean, and and the the proof's in the pudding. I mean, he his his statistics were lower, their success was higher, um, but that success still didn't equal out to. Oh my gosh, they're going. They have a chance to win a, a title. And while I think you can win games with him as your quarterback, I don't have any faith that you can win the game with him as your quarterback. I agree. Yeah, and Emery, you touched on it earlier, and I, I just want to go ahead and, and move into my question. And this is something I remember, Gene. We talked about on Twitter at some point last year. And it was just about all of the investments that they've made in this offensive line. And, I mean, this is just yet another reason why you can't really make an excuse for Ryan Tannehill because they've invested a lot. So do you – I mean, let's take a look at it. You, you look at multiple first-round picks. You, you're talking about free agents. You're talking about trades that they made to bring in guys. So, you know, have they invested more than enough on this offensive line? Oh, absolutely. I, they most certainly have. I mean, um, you know, guys have come and gone. Uh, people have lost their careers over trying to, you know, I guess be that guy for Ryan Tannehill. And, um, you know, that, remember uh, at the end of um, Philbin's tenure there, you know, and they got rid of, uh, you know, so many linemen. Uh, and I just think it, it's, it's funny that you can't get um, – you know, there's a lot of quarterbacks that don't get that benefit of the doubt. Uh, Ryan Tannehill has received the benefit of the doubt numerous times. And, um, you know, at some point, you got to kind of stop being a finger pointer and you got to be a thumb pointer and say, okay, you know, at some point it's you, you know, at some point it's you and, and you've got to figure out what you've got to do better. Uh, I think Gase knows exactly what he has in Ryan Tannehill. He's not, you know, Gase is a smart guy. And uh, he's going to make the, the necessary adjustments to make sure the team as a whole uh, will have success this year. And, um, and, and he made the necessary adjustments last year. And that's why, you know, they wound up in the playoffs. Um, 
you know, Gene, you touched on it about running the ball a lot more. And, and that's what you're going to see. And then you're going to see Ryan Tannehill just, you know, stay in that 17 to, you know, uh, uh, 25 attempt range, you know, and, and they're just going to ask him to make a few plays here and there. And that's that. You know, he, he's not the guy that's going to win you games. So the offensive line, uh, they've invested in entirely uh, too much. But that's that's what, you know, we talk about it all the time. People say you have to draft in the trenches first. You have to draft in the trenches. Well, you see where that got the Miami Dolphins for a while, you know. So uh, it, it's not about just drafting in the trenches. You also have to have the skill players to make it work. And have they invested a lot? Yes. At one point, I think last year they had four first round picks on their offensive line and they have three this year. Right. Uh, just ask Russell Wilson if he'd just like to have one. <laughs> right. Uh, so they've, they've put a lot into the line. They're, they're built for what Gase tried to do last year. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Uh, and it's a positive in my opinion that they've put that much into the line because worst case scenario, if you have some trouble throwing the ball, which unfortunately they will have trouble throwing the ball, at least they can rely on that running game and, and having those big uglies up front to block for the talented backs they also have. Yes, they've invested quite a bit. <laughs> offensive line Twitter about to be so mad at me, boy, because there's no way in hell I'm drafting an offensive lineman in the top 10 unless you're Orlando Peace. I need to physically see you put the defensive lineman on the ground every play for me to be like, you know what? I need him on my roster right now. Give right. me all of the touchdown makers, all of the guys that could take the ball away, all of the guys that can get the sacks. I need all those guys first before I Already. In, in, in the offensive line. Can we even name anybody on the Green Bay Packers offensive line? But I bet Not at all. we can name the seven wide receivers they have that are all talented, right? On the right. But you're, you're underselling the importance of a right tackle. Let's not go there. That's coming up. We we haven't gotten there yet. Stay tuned, America. You'll you'll hear what we're talking about very soon. Stay tuned. Like, like hey, listen, I love Tunsil. Tunsil is awesome. I even like the guy they drafted out of North Dakota State um, a while a couple years ago. They ran him off, but I thought he was a solid player. And any offensive lineman will tell you they love run blocking. So it's not rocket science. And I think they've done a good job in investing that offensive line. But at the end of the day, they not only have they invested in the offensive line, but they also invested heavily in the skill position. So, and we always hear this all the time. Russell Wilson's out there with basketball players, guys that played soccer, guys that played defense, <laughs> protecting him up front. And this guy won a Super Bowl. But in it, it is the, the one time he doesn't make the Super Bowl, they question whether or not he could be the franchise quarterback. But, but uh, going you know, to the divisional round of the playoffs every year of his NFL career. And if he doesn't, it's a, they got to find a new quarterback, right? But Tannehill could go, you know, four and nine. They, oh, he needs help and weapons. So, yes, they've invested uh, heavily in the offensive line. I think it, it's admirable that they've done so. I would be upset if they didn't invest in the skilled players because they invested so heavily in the offensive line. I mean, how many Super Bowls have Joe Thomas has Joe Thomas won the Browns? So that tells you it's not about what you need up front. Yes, an offensive line is important. Is very important. Speaking as a former running back, it's highly important. However, for the Dolphins, they need Tannehill to step up and put the big boy draws on. Stop wearing that G string out there and getting sacked in the pocket. So that's where you go with that. Wow. Well, I mean, obviously, TD, you know how I feel about this. One of my one of my first episodes of Preach was about this. Um, last year, four first round picks, um, a free agent that everybody in the league wanted. I mean, they they had an embarrassment of riches. I'll just, I'll just put it into this perspective for you. 
how many teams do you know could essentially give away a left tackle and still be okay on their offensive line? That's essentially what, what Miami did this year um, when, they, when they got rid of Brandon Albert. They gave him away for a ham sandwich and a broke-down tight end that actually is like a, a, an, an, under, an undersized power forward who can't block and, and, and doesn't really jump that high. Um, but because he played with Peyton Manning and had a really good year, don't get me started on all these Fugazi-ass tight ends rolling around here. Um, it, it, it's, it's ridiculous to me to think about the fact that Miami – would ever need help on the offensive line. If you just look at the guys they have, not only do they have guys who are um, who, who, you, who we invested um, high draft picks in, but they have versatility. You have guys who can play guard and tackle, who can play center and guard. And when you have that versatility, plus a mentality that we're going to run the ball more, what else do you need to give your quarterback? So I definitely think they've invested enough in that um, offensive line. It's time to get their wide receivers paid. Give my boy Landry that hundred million dollar contract. Let's keep it moving. Yeah, it ain't gonna happen though, right? Yeah, they gotta <laughs> they gotta find more. They're gonna add a, a sixth offensive lineman up there for Ryan's head. Bro. So, <laughs> yeah, well, will you guys have the Dolphins uh, finishing twenty seventeen? Start with you, Brandon. Yeah, I, I got them second right now. Uh, I, I really think that uh, Gase has this team uh, rolling. David, they they're gonna have a pretty difficult road ahead of them with the schedule and everything, but um. I really think that um, the improvement uh, that that they've made, Tannehill um, and and his development, and I, I think that this is going to be a year where they kind of stay, you know, where they where they kind of left off in 2016. Uh, have them tied with the Buffalo Bills, finishing second, uh, both in that seven to nine range. Look, I mean, they did a great job at the end of last season. They really got the ball rolling, but it's going to be more difficult, harder schedule this year, and the Patriots exist, so. I agree. I mean, the Patriots are there. I think the Buffalo will be improved. Um, I have them finishing second along with Buffalo, just like CJ. The The problem isn't that Gaze doesn't know what he's doing. It's just that, unfortunately, he's hamstrung by the fact that he is in – he's the second fiddle in, in arguably the greatest run we've ever seen of a football team in the history of the National Football League. Um, and that includes the, the white people time when they weren't really reaching out to brothers to play football. Um, so, like, I, I think that if you look at what they're doing, they'll be second. They'll probably be around eight and eight, nine and seven. It's not going to be enough to get them in the playoffs. Um, and, and they'll be looking for a new um, excuse for why Ryan Tannehill needs new, new weapons at the end of the year. Yeah, I, I have them finishing third behind the Bills and obviously the Patriots. Uh, I just – I like the fact that they run the football. That, that's definitely something that, that you have to look at. But I just don't see them being able to win enough games to make it to the playoffs with this quarterback that they have. So I'm going to put them at third in the division. You guys already have my pick for the Dolphins above in the video. So that's it for this episode of the Football Cypher. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. So for Chris, Gene, Brandon, and Teron, I'm Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook, and you have been listening to the Football Cypher on the Football Game Plan Podcast Network.